This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. I'm on the line with Emily Suzannon. And how are you, Emily? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you, Martin? Good. And I did pronounce that correctly, right? Yes, Suzannon. Yes. Okay. And you're from Suzannon Auction Gallery. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. Suzannon's Auctioneers and Appraisers is our official declared name. And, you know, it's funny. You are in Chicago, and I'm seems like I have a lot of connections to Chicago. <laughs> Never met you out there, but uh, we've been corresponding. And so can you tell us a little bit about the um, auction company and how you got involved in all that? Sure. Um, well, my uncle, Sean Suzannon, started the auction house back in 1994, officially. In 1993, uh, proprietary software was developed that was one of the first in the industry um, and kind of came before the whole World Wide Web caught on to the software and the boom. Uh, but founded in Chicago, and so for the last 20 years, it's been serving Chicago and the greater Midwest. We work with a variety of estates, museums, institutions, individuals. It's a pretty interesting business because we can handle one thing or an entire collection of items uh, in all different categories. So it's uh, been quite a learning experience for me. I've started about a year and a half ago. And uh, we do fine art, fine jewelry, uh, Asian art, ephemera, which is one of my favorite categories to learn and work with, and uh, kind of all, all across the board in terms of what we work with, collectibles, decorative arts, the list is a long one. <laughs> and just for the listener that may not be familiar with the term ephemera is, it's, it's uh, things, actually the word ephemeral means um, of the day. So these are things, you know, from the past, usually considering manuscript, manuscripts, uh, documents, things like that, could be um, autographed Hollywood photos or, or any vintage um, thing along those lines. Mm-hmm. And yes, real me- memorabilia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and always enjoyable uh, for me also. And that kind of ties into uh, another love of mine is uh, I love early photography. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just you can just peer into the past and how those people lived. And um, it's always, it's always uh, fascinating to try to figure out the stories. It is, it is, and you can piece them together. That's what, you know, when we'll get a collection going through sometimes boxes of things you find in an estate, there are so many treasures and old magazines even and uh, how advertising once looked and borrows from the past and, you know, everything that is done today. That's right, and a lot of times uh, I, I just did this estate one time that was, these two elderly sisters that um, both passed away within a year and a half of each other, and they had never let anyone pass the kitchen in their house, and they were the third generation in that house. And so when they were gone, they had me sell everything in an auction, and you could just follow through the lives, um, you know, through photo albums, through everything. And uh, it was really fascinating because... Um, you know, those stories are gone. Once this goes to the wind at auction, you mm-hmm. know, unless there's mm-hmm. um, any relatives out there, it's um, it's just a story that actually gets taken to the wind. Yeah, we had uh, an estate last year and came out of Winnetka, Wilmette area, just north of Chicago, one of the great suburbs. And um, 
we really handled the whole estate. The woman, Charlotte Vern Olson, had no living relatives, and so she was a huge porcelain collector, and we focused uh, four sales really dedicated to her, but one was all of her porcelain from 18th, 19th, 20th century uh, everything, you know, mice and, uh, that was a huge learning experience for us. We had a porcelain expert come in because just of the depth and breadth of her collection and all of us met and sat with her and learned just a ton about marks and the different factories that were producing during those times. So, uh, dealing with that was really fun and she had just, also, you know, clothing and, you know, if you're a collector of porcelain, sometimes it's just porcelain, but she had trinkets of all kinds and, you know, antique furniture. So uh, we basically handled all aspects of that. And it was quite quite a, an experience. My first time ever dealing with a great estate of, of that level. I'll say. Now, for the average, um, you know, auction house out there, um, I'm involved in, uh, we're putting together an auction that's actually coming up fairly soon. Mm-hmm. And we have about 300-some-odd consigners. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about a single consigner sale, it's very rare to yeah. have a single consigner sale. And you had four auctions, are you saying? Well, one auction was dedicated just to Charlotte Vern Olson and her porcelain. Uh, something 400 lots at least. And then there were three subsequent sales of other uh, items with, yeah, about 300 consigners each. Each sale, I'd say, that's probably a right around the number. We might have closer to 100 mm-hmm. because we have sometimes more targeted sales. We'll do fine art, fine jewelry uh, in you know, one sale and then have a marketplace auction, which is, you know, the kind of seven main categories we serve, furniture, decorative arts, uh, Asian art, silver, textiles, fine jewelry or costume jewelry, and couture and accessories. Wow. Now, you know, uh, back in the 70s when my father was uh, was doing a lot of auctions, it was uh, the common sale that he would have. He'd have four to five consigners. And it really has changed an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that have changed is, you know, you get contacted now because of the Internet from people all over the country and sometimes all over the world where mm-hmm. they want to send something, you know, one or two pieces. And that's why you get the numbers, the great numbers of consigners. And i got to tell you, the more consigners you have, the easier it is to mess up when you're doing the work. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yeah. So a year and a half you've been at this um, how long have you thought you might want to do this? Did it all just happen because of the family situation? No. As a child, I had always been interested in antiques thanks to my family, my grandmother who collected antiques. My first auction was a car auction. My grandfather was in the car industry. So, you know, car auctions, cattle auctions, tobacco auctions, any kind of fast-paced auction is very different than the more traditional English auction that we do. I'm sure that, you know, your company does that London and New York do all of all of the other auction houses. So... That was my first exposure was the car auction where there's, a you know, basically kind of yelling and yes. uh, really chaotic, almost hectic yes. to the point of 
when is this going to end? <laughs> well, there's so. a reason behind that. I, I, uh, I have to admit that I actually did car auctions for a little while, and it was really, it wasn't me. It was really hard to do. They actually gave the auctioneers a rubber hose to bang on the counter. <laughs> in, in between, we had to take a breath. And the reason, the reason it's so chaotic at car auctions is because they don't want the dealers uh, making deals between themselves. They want right. to make all the noise they can so that doesn't happen. So, yeah, I like I like a regular auction much better for sure. Go figure, because during some of the these auctions, the dealers could definitely, uh, you know, get on each other's cases. Sometimes I watch it happen live in living color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so, anyway, the car auction uh, kind of uh, made me interested in the whole... Uh, auction world and then my uncle uh, Sean being in the business already I had attended some of his auctions he uh, they were used to be in the merchandise mart here in Chicago and Chris Kennedy helped get them uh, in there and with all of the designers back in the 90s and doing interiors it was a really great place to be because they could bring their client there and, you know, walk into Suzanne's and have them point and pick something out for their new condo or what have you on Lakeshore. So seeing that space uh, kind of brought it full circle and then just liking different kinds of genres of collecting and having a real interest in all kinds of antiques. And really, for me, it comes down to the story that I can find in a piece of furniture or uh, in holding an old book or an item of jewelry that came from, you know, this woman who who knows her story. And that's, that's what's so kind of awesome to me about the whole experience and why I have such a passion for it is because of the, all of the history of it. It's mm-hmm. a much bigger picture than just... You know, here's a carved Victorian sideboard or <laughs> yep. whatever we get in the door. That's right. And um, I know I've repeated this in a few shows, but I love the quote a friend of mine had in a podcast a while back um, who wrote a book recently. And that is, um, it, if it loses its story, it loses its value. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it loses all of its value, but it certainly loses some well, and you, you want to maintain the integrity of it always in, in however you sell it and uh, because once once it goes to auction and sometimes it's hard for the buyer to real or the seller to realize it's not theirs anymore. Right. You know, a, a lot of times, uh, you know, just uh, to the, for the listener out there, a lot of times I have, you know, when I'm doing an appraisal or at an appraisal clinic, I'll have, uh, you know, people come up and say, oh, yes, this was in the White House or this uh, belonged to uh, General Washington or, mm-hmm. you know, and you hear these stories and it's what they call family hearsay. Mm-hmm. And unless something's documented, um, it, it, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't stick. So I... I caution the people out there that have these family stories, if there's still a living relative that's giving you this type of story of some type of connection of a historical value, to get as much documentation as you can from it uh, while you can. Because uh, once you can't do that, it doesn't make a bit of difference. Mm-hmm. Very true. Getting back to the uh, proprietary software you were mentioning, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well... Even before eBay, uh, 
Suzanne and Sean and, uh, you know, the team here had identified an opportunity where, you know, let's bring catalogs to the masses. So Sean had experience in the auction world and looked at it as, you know, I could do this better and differently. And to create that kind of tech savvy, um, bringing, like I said, the catalogs to as many people as possible, as opposed to mailing them, uh, he looked at the catalog as an outlet to be digitized. And so his mentor was Ted Spiegel, actually, of Spiegel Catalogs. Hmm. And so that was before the big eBay boom. And uh, as, you know, everyone kind of caught on, uh, I think the industry became globalized pretty fast and the playing field was leveled. But it was a software built around Helix, which is an older form, and uh, we have upgraded it over the years, but it worked and has worked really well from the beginning. And, you know, back in the early 90s, I guess I was pretty young then, so I don't know much about what was going on, but uh, it, mm-hmm. it was really progressive for the time and was a way for people to log on to the Internet and see pictures and click and um, kind of decide then and there as opposed to a a black and white catalog that we were mailing and spending the cost to mail back then so yeah a lot has changed and and all together you know when it comes to auctions and the internet so where could someone find that today is it actually a website you can go to yeah, our website is just www.susannans.com, uh, S-U-S-A-N-I-N-S, and we have all of our catalogs online. We also auction with, you know, the third parties that most auction houses have to auction with uh, mm-hmm. to get those clients, sometimes for better, for worse, but thank you. Live auctioneers and invaluable and everyone else. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll add that as a disclaimer. <laughs> Yes, that's right, yes. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't realize this, uh, but behind the scenes, um, you know, there is a lot of work that goes into auctions. And a lot. When I was uh, running auctions, uh, you know, I ran small auctions usually, um, you know, in the $50,000 range. You know, it wasn't the big, uh, you know, two or $300,000 auctions. Those were very rare but happened. Mm-hmm. But Back then, it was you just took a few Polaroids, you FedEx them out, um, you know, things like that. And today, um, people expect so much more information. So when you're having a given auction, you can take, you know, easily take 3,000 pictures mm-hmm. um, that are up on the catalog or people are constantly wanting um, images from around the world. So uh, it certainly has changed. Now, you doing this for a year and a half, you're jumping right in at the point basically where things are today. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to talk about, say, what your role is at this auction company and, and what type of work you do there, go ahead if you would. Sure. Well, we are a pretty small, agile group here, and we work very closely together. So we have 15 full-time employees, and then about 10 people who work part-time for previews or who we call in as specialists because, you know, we don't want to misrepresent an item ever. If we don't know about it, we will get it authenticated or find, you know, the person who can help us learn more. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or, as you talked about earlier, um, 
attributing it to, say, the fact that it hung uh, on the wall of Mrs. Washington or <laughs> whomever. It's uh, the family story, you know, however yeah. it got mistranslated. Um, but at, at Suzannan's, I uh, seemingly do a little of everything. Uh, I work in client services and catalog items. My kind of niche uh, for now is couture and accessories and then ephemera. Uh, but every day I am cataloging and learning about furniture, silver, decorative arts, uh, all the categories we service here. We have specialists in uh, all categories and three appraisers on staff. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm studying to be an appraiser, which is really exciting. And mm -hmm. I actually am also an auctioneer. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, I, I kind of started at Suzannan's after just helping out at an auction back in uh, 2012. And with my uncle up on the auction block afterwards, I said, you know, could could you let me try standing up there sometime? I, I think I could do this, you know, <laughs> start the bidding at a thousand dollars here. So, uh, ever since I've kind of been hooked on that too. And I've enjoyed doing that. Um, but also do client development. I mean, when someone asks me what I do every day, it's kind of like, Hmm, <laughs> I work at an auction house. <laughs> how, how do I explain that in 10 seconds? I don't know if I can. So, um, yeah, one of, one of my favorite parts, actually, is just kind of the relationship management that I get to do and client development with, you know, meeting with lawyers or uh, art collectors whom have become friends of mine and learning about their collection and getting to hear their stories of how they started collecting. I met a couple once. Uh, they have been married for 50 years, and they have bought a piece by a Chicago artist every month for the last 50 years oh. so they have amassed a beautiful such a diverse collection i mean diverse in so far as just the kind of styles but again like i said they're mostly chicago artists so uh just a really beautiful beautiful thing because they started this together and each piece speaks to a time of their life or an interaction that they had personally with an artist. So it's the things like that, you know, which just make my day and make, make this whole business and world. I think I had talked to you about this once, but not like work because it's so fun. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I love about it. Every day is different and um, you're always get to uh, look at some wonderful things and you get to learn something every day, which is, mm -hmm. which is great. Even myself being at this for, I really hate to say it, but the number is 43 years. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> Since I was a little kid, and I just absolutely love um, the business and love learning. It's so much fun. Now, you're in Chicago, so Chicago basically burned flat back in 18-whatever. 1871, that's the year. Okay. Yeah. So that happened then, and so basically Chicago was rebuilt at mm -hmm. that time, so a lot of there's a, a lot of wonderful stained glass in the city. Um, there's um, a lot of Victorian furniture, and there's a, of course a lot of Victorian buildings because mm -hmm. it was basically rebuilt. So you deal in a lot of um, that type of situation out there. Now, do you ever find um, early American pieces or European pieces in Chicago? We do, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of collectors and people here who are 
you know, very serious. And one estate I visited on Rush Street uh, had furniture that they had imported from Paris back in the 60s, and that was, you know, comprised of earlier period pieces and um, uh, of that kind of nature, and they, you know, sold it at auction, so they were downsizing. Uh, It's not as common, but when we find it, it's, you know, something that you can kind of tell right away because of the quality of the material and all of that. Right. So you mentioned earlier the different departments you have there, and one of them was Asian, and we all know how hot the Asian market is. Um, Have you had any major pieces come through there? Um, Since I've been at Suzannan's, we've had a few robes come through, and uh, I've had a lot of different furniture that actually was probably once from places in Chicago. so the Asian furniture we've seen hasn't been as great, but last auction, or maybe it was a few auctions ago, we had a pair of period vases um, from the Ming Dynasty, and those were really, they sold really well at auction, and uh, you know, once, probably every quarter, we get a really spectacular standout Asian piece. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a market to watch right now. And, uh, you know, when other antiques have gone down, uh, Asian, for the most part, has soared. But it is a very good term for that. Um, The very top end of the Asian market is good. And the average items are basically selling for what they always did. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. always, you know, right at the top end. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for taking the time, Martin. Sure. And once again, why don't you give out the website and where someone can find you? Yeah, so Suzannan's is in Chicago. We're just outside of the Loop, actually not far from Randolph Street Market, where you were a couple weeks ago. That's right. 900 South Clinton. Uh, We're in a gallery space that was once an old bookbinding factory, so it's a pretty awesome building. They've done a lot of great work on it recently, too. So, uh, And our website is Suzannins, www.susanins.com. Great. Well, thanks a lot. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com.